welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log Day 37 Ability and Intent If you've been listening to the Field Log Podcast for a while, you've heard me say that a man is defined by his abilities and his intentions, right? Ability and intent. Sometimes I mention it briefly, sometimes I go into a bit more detail, but today we're going to explore this idea, this framework of ability and intent, and how it's going to be useful to you as a man to think of yourself this way. So first, a little backstory. This framework, this idea, is something I came up with after I read The Charisma Myth where the author describes charisma as a union of three qualities. Presence, power, and warmth. Right? Presence is obvious. If you're not paying attention to people, you can't be charismatic. So if you're on the, you know, you're having a conversation with somebody or you, maybe you're talking on the phone, if you get distracted and your answers become a little slower, right? You're not responding at the right pace. People pick up on that, right? People can tell you're distracted. Power is obvious, right? This is a bit more of a physiological phenomenon. Humans subconsciously, naturally, assess the power of anyone we're talking to, right? Is this person a potential threat, right? If someone is nice to me or mean to me, doesn't matter. The person can't do anything, right? So I still feel safe. And this is all happening under the hood, if you will. So if you're paying attention to the person you're speaking to, and you display a lot of power, either through your body language or your physical appearance, or maybe the way you're dressed, or maybe you have a title, all of these things signal power. Then the last piece is warmth, right? If I'm being nice to this person, if I take a genuine interest, if I ask questions, if I smile, the person's basically going to get this picture of me, that this person can do a lot and this person cares about me. And that is charisma. And you can even think about it as a combination of which traits you might or might not have. So let's assume your presence is good, but if you have power, right, you're very, let's say, large or intimidating or you have a big fancy title, but you don't have a lot of warmth, you're very cold, you're very standoffish, people will think you're a jerk, right? And it goes the other way too. If you don't have a lot of power, maybe you speak very quietly, your body language is very closed off, but you, you're very nice to people, you're very warm, then people will think of you as a suck-up. It's only the union of the two qualities, power and warmth, that will give you charisma. Well, the more I thought about power and warmth, the more I started to see that you can abstract this idea a little bit, and power is essentially just a synonym for ability, right? Power is what can I do in the world? Ability is what can I do in the world? And then warmth can be, warmth is basically the positive side of the spectrum of intentions, intent. Why do you have good intentions or bad intentions? And I realized that this impacts more than just your ability to be charismatic to people, which is very useful, right? Especially if you have good intentions. Being able to lead people is something very powerful that every man living the warrior king ethos has to demonstrate. It goes beyond that, though, right? You can essentially think of the course of your life as a man by... What can you do and what will you do? So it's way bigger than just charisma, right? Being likable or a good leader. It's genuinely about your effectiveness as a man. 
So we'll abstract a little bit and let's take some examples. If you take a man who has great abilities, he could even be a very charismatic leader, right? Just because you're projecting warmth doesn't mean your intentions are good. So someone is very charismatic, easily sways people, dominates a room, has a lot of, let's say, knowledge and financial resources and maybe even physical strength, right? Someone with a lot of power in the world, someone who can come into a group and people are discussing dinner plans and this person can say, let's just go to this place. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, John, John makes a good point, right? He has a lot of power to influence people. If you take this person and this person has bad intentions, right? His intent is not godly. That's a villain, right? That's what we're talking about here. Someone who can change people's minds, someone who can get people to do things, someone who can have things done with connections or money or pure physical strength, whatever it is, but who doesn't care about the welfare of other people. That's a bad man, literally, right? Not only is he bad as an evil, but he's bad as in he's not effective in his God-given purpose. And you can take the flip side of this as well. If you have a man who has very good intentions, is very honest, loyal, respectful, right, values virtue and morality, but people talk over this man, right? People don't listen to his ideas. They might hear his idea, dismiss it, hear it from someone else and say, oh, that's a good idea. This person doesn't project power. Maybe his body language is closed off because he's got chronic anxiety. So he is scared all the time and people pick up on that. Or maybe he hasn't developed his body physically, so he's not appealing to the, the lizard brain, if you will. Whatever it is, people don't think of this person as having a lot of power. Like, you could even think of a child, right? You could have a, I don't know, a five-year-old, a ten-year-old, doesn't matter. A young child who is very kind, very sweet, cares about his parents, his siblings, his friends, but he's a child. So we would never say that this person's a good man right? We'd say he's a good kid, but he's a bad man, right? It requires ability to actually be a good man. So we're left with this framework, right? If we've peeled away all of the other options, you can only truly be an effective man living the warrior king ethos if you have great ability and good intentions, right? This is the only way it's ever going to work. And in fact, the majority of the things that we build that we work on in the warrior king ethos are around that ability and intention right if you think about your relationship with god this is objectively good that's positive intentions that's good morality if you think about stewardship right building wealth taking care of your finances taking care of your house and and your appearance right these things fall under stewardship too dressing well all of that is going to give you more ability right more tools with which to affect change in the world. And if you've dedicated yourself to God and then you've built resources, you're going to use them for God's purposes. That's the union of ability and intention. And the same thing is true of physical strength, right? Because that just makes you ooze authority. That's how human brains work. Same thing with craft, right? When you become a master in your field, let's say you're a musician, for example, and then people come to you and they say, hey, can you listen to my music and critique it? You've gained authority, but that person felt comfortable coming to you because he feels like your intentions are good. So it's, it's everywhere implicitly in the warrior king ethos, in the seven commitments, that what we're trying to do is 
fulfill our God-given purpose, whatever it takes, right? That's why the last line of the first commitment, and I've said this many times before, and I'm sure I'll repeat it many, many more times, is given nothing else, I will be content to live in constant communion with him. So our primary attachment, the only thing we truly care about is our relationship with God and furthering that relationship and growing in holiness. But then when you take that and you realize you have a lot of free time on your hands, right? You're going to spend your time doing something, right? Unless you're in prayer 24-7, which I'm assuming that means you're a monk. But if you're not, if you're working and if you have leisure time and you spend time with your friends and your family not talking about God, that means you have a lot of time on your hands to build ability, to develop tools with which you can change the world and change the lives of the people around you for the better because that's what leadership is. There is this implicit unspoken contract in any dynamic where there is a leader and a follower and that unspoken agreement is I will do as you say as long as you take care of my welfare. Right? When we give leadership to somebody else, right, and it's generally something we opt into, not always, but there is government, but generally in day-to-day life, these are relationships we opt into, like a mentor-mentee relationship, or a spiritual father and spiritual child, or real father and child. Right? There's always this implicit agreement that you have more wisdom than I do, you have more expertise in this field where I'm submitting to you, so I will do as you say, and, you know, I will help you with things and I will, like when you have parents, they'll say, you clean the dishes, right? They could clean the dishes themselves. But one of the conditions of the leader-follower dynamic is that you do some work for the leader. And then in return, this person takes care of you, right? So it, it kind of flows both ways. And if you remember yesterday's topic, ask yourself if this is working for you, where I try to motivate you. So look at your life and look at the way you're spending your time and ask yourself if this is the right approach, if it's leading you to where you want to be. Right, and I've found with pretty much every man I've ever spoken to, it might be buried deep, deep inside, but it's always been there. And that's this inner desire to be a leader, right? In some context, not everyone wants to be president. I certainly don't want to be president, which is good because I can't be. But we all want a certain sphere of influence. We inherently have a belief as men that given enough work, given enough study and dedication, I could lead people to do the right thing. But most men ignore that voice, right? There's, in fact, there is a certain degree of discomfort that comes with taking on leadership, right? There's always going to be a small degree of imposter syndrome, right? Even as I'm recording these episodes, I've always been pretty explicit about the topics that I have experience in and the topics that I don't, right? I always try to hedge and make sure that people know when I'm speaking with confidence and when I'm not. But I'm still going out there and just giving advice, right? Who am I to think that men want my advice? Well, that happened through experience. As men in my day-to-day life would ask me for advice, and I, I would say, hey, I actually know something about this. And then it got to a certain degree where I thought, Maybe this is what I'm called to do. Maybe I'm meant to distill information and, and present ideas to men that they can adopt to help them do better in their masculine purpose. But even then, even with that strong desire and drive to be a leader, there's still some discomfort. So you might be feeling that and 
for the men who decide not to build more ability, that could be part of it. But like I said a couple of minutes ago, you have a lot of time on your hands. Right? You're a man, you have 24 hours in the day, there's some sleep, some eat, some work. But still, you have lots of time to build your ability and actually make a difference. And that is what I believe a man, especially one who's pursuing leadership because he feels that in his core, will be judged on. Right? We, I've talked about the story with the talents before, so I won't repeat it now. But the story of the talents where the three servants were given, I think it was one talent, two talents and five talents, something like that. And the one who didn't take his talents and make more of it was rebuked by his master. And I think that that's what's in store for us men, is I think every man is given some scope of leadership he's supposed to pursue. And if we don't, we will be held accountable by God. So that's the argument as to why you should be building your ability and always double-checking your intent, your intentions, and why this framework is so useful. Because at all times, you can reflect, if you want to see how much progress have I made, you can reflect to see, are my intentions pure? Do I want the best for people? Right? I sometimes shock myself when I ask myself this question. And you might too when you start asking yourself this question. There might come times where you say, how's my intent right now? Am I acting with positive intentions? And you might realize that you are acting out of self-interest or maybe out of spite or maybe out of desire for something that's not yours. I've had those moments and, you know, it sort of shakes you. It, it shakes you awake and you're like, whoa, this whole time I've been working on my ability, which a lot of men tend to have this instinct to do that, to focus on that more than their intent. And I realize my intent has been slipping away. Well, the opposite is also true. It is possible there are many men out there who very easily fall into the, we're meant to emulate Christ, right? And Christ was the Lamb of God and the Lion of Judah. So there is submission in a real man, right? I, we've talked about this in the Kiss the Ring episode. If you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. It's about submitting to authority, which is something every real man has to do. If you want to have authority, you have to submit to authority. You have to honor the concept of authority itself. So there is submission in a man, right? There is gentleness and meekness and tenderness and care, right? God is described sometimes in the Old Testament as comforting them by, you know, holding them close, something along those lines. And I've completely butchered that. But the idea, you know, still gets across is that a, a real man and God through the scriptures has revealed himself as he, a real man has tenderness and care for those in his care. So some men gravitate towards that, especially men that I've met in the church who are always focusing on being kind and asking for forgiveness and humble and meek. And that's all great. But then they completely ignore their ability. So 24-7, they're working on, am I forgiving enough? Am I quick to anger? How are my passions? Always worrying about that. And then building up this great, wonderful, loving character. And then nobody wants to listen to them. Right? And I'm not saying that the only way to build ability is just through, you know, making money and getting big and being smart. That's not what I'm saying at all. There are plenty of men who live an ascetic life. If you're listening to the Field Lock podcast... And if you are reading the Warrior King ebooks and, you know, subscribing to the seven commitments, 
I'm assuming that that's not the path that God has laid out for you because you don't feel drawn to this asceticism, this seclusion, but rather to being a powerful king-like figure. That's why it's called warrior king. It's because we're essentially emulating the, the prototype of kingship, right? We all have kingship. It's inherited from Christ or via adoption. Christ has shared his kingship with us. So we, we inherited from God the Father via adoption. But one of those expressions is to have great influence and to be able to do good with that. And now I can already hear some people poo-pooing the idea and saying, well, you don't have to chase money, right? Or, or have, be vain and try to build your body. And that's not what really matters. Well, practically it does matter. I'm sorry to say it, but it's the truth. There was... I want to say a month, a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, it might have even been more. It's been a couple of months, I know that. There was a general collection that the OCA, the Orthodox Church in America, requested of every parish. And they said, can you raise $1,000 for the Alaskan clergy, the priests in Alaska? They're several tens of thousands of dollars below the poverty line. Some of them have to be given fish as gifts from their parishioners just to survive. They're being persecuted by Protestant churches in Alaska, right? Their situation is very bad. And we're going to try to raise enough money to create an endowment so that their income can be supplemented. And each church was meant to raise $1,000. Well, my church raised $5,000. And it's not a big church. But the point was, we all came together and we all had enough ability, in this case, financial liquidity to chip in and to make someone's day. My priest was absolutely over the moon when he found out just how much we raised. He was so excited to tell the archbishop, we raised $5,000, right? And he told the archbishop of Alaska and the man was ecstatic, right? Because he really felt the love and the care of the people in our parish to these priests that we've never met. And that, my friends is the reason why a warrior king pursues ability as well as intent. If you have great ability and bad intentions, you don't even belong here, right? If you don't see the moral imperative to do good, to take care of the people in your circle, to better yourself, to sacrifice for those that God has placed in your care, if you don't see that, you don't belong here. Turn this off. I'm going to bore you to death. But if you have a good heart and you don't have the ability yet, welcome. That's what we're here for, right? There's only one requirement to having success with the warrior king ethos. There's only one requirement to actually make something useful out of all of this information. And that requirement is good intentions. Because anyone can build financial wealth. Anyone can build a strong body. Anyone can master a craft, right? One of the greatest chess players in America today, Hikaru Nakamura, famously said that his IQ is average, but I think he said it's like 103 or something. One of the greatest chess players alive today. So his intelligence didn't hold him back from becoming a world-class chess player. Some people say the best defender in chess right now. So whatever your starting point, wherever you are, as long as you firmly believe that you can do great good and pursue your purpose, if this is the purpose God has placed in your heart, 
to take care of people, to be a leader in the world, you have to reflect on your ability and you have to reflect on your intent. This is the hallmark of a man. What can you do? What will you do? So today, right, pull out your notes app right now. As you know the drill, pause this episode and make some time to reflect for maybe five minutes today. Where are my abilities in all seven pillars? And are my intentions pure? Am I pursuing God's will? And if the answer is no in any area, that's okay. Work on that. And if this framework doesn't appeal to you and you're rejecting it, maybe meditate on this. Maybe try to divorce yourself from your current opinion and ask yourself, is there something to this? And you might find that it's useful after all. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.